It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Today, we're hearing a story about how one man started what could have been an ordinary tech company selling privacy-focused phones, but ended up selling those devices to serious organized criminals, including the Sinaloa cartel. With internal company documents, FBI files, and sources in the firm itself, here's our writer, Joseph Cox, who's been investigating the company called Phantom Secure for the past two years. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Everyone crammed into the Las Vegas hotel suite was asleep except for Vince Ramos. The Wynn Luxury Hotel, with its indoor gardens, seafood restaurants, and extravagant shopping, had been this group's world for the past few days, with law enforcement officials from the US, Canada, and Australia grilling Ramos. Four or five officials lay down after another session of questioning their suspect. Ramos had short breaks to see his wife and daughter, who were staying in their own room nearby. Fearing he wouldn't be able to see his family if he didn't do so, Ramos spoke at length with the agents. Ramos looked like a ghost during those breaks when his family saw him. His trip to Vegas, though, had been a setup. He travelled to meet an associate as part of his multi-million dollar business of selling encrypted phones under the brand name Phantom Secure. Phantom had glitzy marketing. In the video promo you can hear right now, Phantom had been used an array of catchphrases, such as a true private experience goes beyond perfect. The video is littered with stock footage of men smoking cigars, Bentley-style luxury vehicles, and even a towering skyscraper with the company's logo photoshopped onto the side. This was the image that Phantom wanted to portray. But the reason Ramos was in that hotel room with the agents was because Phantom sold its phones to serious organized criminals, biker gangs in Australia, drug traffickers in California, and even members of the Sinaloa drug cartel. The agents were ready to charge Ramos with drug trafficking conspiracy charges. With the agents asleep, he saw an opening. He slipped out into the corridor, made his way to the hotel basement, and started to head to the border, where maybe he could cross back into his home in Canada. Embarrassingly for the agents still asleep in the suite, the person they'd been hunting for years had just walked away. I'm Vince Ramos. I'm from uh, Vancouver, BC. I have a background in the uh, telecom mobile phone industry. This is the voice of Ramos, the man who ran Phantom. Here, he's giving a testimonial for another company he supported. This one in particular sells nutritional supplements. So the first batch of products I tried, I tried the Mastermind, the Genesis, and the vitamins, the chocolates, um, all very good products, and I felt really great actually using them. Um, <clears throat> just knowing that the, the science even behind the products, all natural ingredients, what I'm putting into my body, actually makes me feel really good. Uh, I feel like I have a lot more energy. And you know what? Ramos was a positive power kind of person, a source of knowledge of Phantom's operations said. Ramos coached a local youngster's football team. He practiced jujitsu with one of his daughters, and he wore a Hello Kitty backpack while making bracelets with his children. He was also a good salesman. He started working with multi-level marketing firm Amway before moving on to Rogers, the Toronto-headquartered telecom giant. 
Then Vince became his own boss by creating Phantom Secure. The phones themselves were customised Blackberries, with the microphone, camera and GPS removed and encrypted email software added. They made an ordinary wiretap impossible and Phantom marketed itself as a truly private phone. Initially, Phantom sold its devices in Canada to VIPs and models. Ramos gave out some of the phones for free to athletes, one source said. Ramos wanted to be the Uber of encrypted phones, flood the market with devices and figure out the regulation later. That sloppiness soon put Phantom on the map. Law enforcement agencies in Australia are confronting a new high-tech weapon in their fight against organised crime. Criminal gangs are now using encrypted mobile phones, which make their communications impossible to decipher. Phantom landed in Australia. Here, a kilogram of cocaine can go for eight times how much it costs in the United States. Criminals needed something they could rely on that wouldn't let law enforcement listen in. And they used Phantom's phones. The Australian media focused particularly on how biker gangs use the devices to plan murders. Phantom Secure's encryption is so strong, even the country's electronic intelligence agency, the Australian Signals Directorate, can't crack messages sent from one phantom phone to another. 7.30 has been told by senior law enforcement officials that use of the encrypted phones has proliferated among criminals in recent years. Dylan Welch reporting, and Phantom Secure, based in Canada, did not respond to our requests for an interview. But despite the negative publicity, in private, Ramos was ecstatic. This is the best verification on what we have been saying all along, proven and effective now for over nine years, Vince told one of his employees in a text message. It is the highest level of official authority confirming our effectiveness. It can't get better than that, he added. Use of phantom devices exploded in the country. Lee Wang, one phantom seller, had around 800 clients from different criminal networks, and his apartment was littered with blackberries, tens of thousands of dollars in cash, and meth, according to Australian media reports. Phantom distributors based all across the country were selling the phones, according to an FBI document obtained by Motherboard. Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales and other areas all had teams of people selling phantom phones. Both Canadian and Australian authorities had a problem though. Selling the phones wasn't illegal. They didn't have the legal framework to shut down Phantom. The United States did though. It had the RICO Act, a law originally used to take down mob bosses who had their underlings do their work. So at a law enforcement meeting in Australia, a local police force offered the FBI a particularly valuable asset, an informant who sold phantom phones. If the informant can gain Ramos's trust, perhaps authorities could eventually secure an undercover meeting with Phantom's CEO. Every case of this size needs a big break, an FBI document said. This was their way in. The phantom informant grew closer to Ramos and eventually arranged a meeting in Vegas between Ramos and a group of alleged drug traffickers. They wanted to buy a large supply of phantom phones. Sat on a sofa and smiling, Ramos hashed out a deal with the traffickers. Rather explicitly, the client said what they wanted the devices for. Three of my main guys are in prison, the new client said, adding that they lost 50 kilos from Colombia. They wanted to expand their drug trafficking business into South America and Europe. Okay, you don't have to tell me that, but it's okay, Vince replied. Yeah, well, we're all friends, the trafficker said. Just saying it out loud, Vince added, as if he did not want the traffickers to discuss what they were using the phones for. 
One of the traffickers seemed nervous at working with Ramos. You know, we don't know you, they said. Of course, that's what I'm saying, Ramos added. You don't know me. But yet that's exactly what I'm saying, right? We made it. We made it specifically for this too. Ramos had just made a serious mistake. He had suggested that Phantom's phones were made for drug smuggling. Unbeknownst to him, Ramos's admission was not some fleeting comment to a prospective client. These drug traffickers were undercover agents from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and were secretly recording the conversation. Authorities now had him on tape. For the next year, the informant kept getting even closer to Ramos, and he was promoted and put in direct contact with other Phantom employees too. The informant gathered information on them as well. It's not known what exactly Ramos did for the next year, but he appears to have moved further away from the plausible deniability of just being a phone salesman, and more deliberately catering to his criminal clients. I'm thinking what I can put out there, Ramos wrote to me in one email, talking generally about his case. To be honest, I'm at a crossroads of how much I want to put out there. It's clear that Ramos did work on developing new clients, including perhaps his most infamous one. In a February 2018 text message to a Phantom employee, Ramos wrote, We are fucking rich, man. Get the fucking Range Rover brand new, because I just closed a lot of business. This week, man. Sinaloa cartel. That's what up. Ramos added. More on that after a break. Ramos's celebrations about his new client didn't last long. He was due to meet the informant in Vegas to attend a professional fighting match, but he ended up in that hotel suite with the FBI and their questions. The agents gave a proposition. Could Ramos create a backdoor to Phantom's network? In short, a backdoor is an extra way into a network or the information it contains and can potentially let the FBI identify Phantom's customers, the actual drug traffickers themselves. He was given the opportunity to do significantly less time if he identified users or built in or gave backdoor access, a family member of Ramos said. But Ramos didn't do it. He was a business guy and not really on the tech side. He couldn't have done it even if he wanted to. When the agents were asleep, Ramos made his dash through the corridors of the hotel, through the basement and onto the border. Ramos left his driver and found himself in Bellingham, Washington, a quiet town of 90,000. He stopped for food in Overeasy Cafe, a diner that shares a car park with a Trader Joe's. It was off the hook. This time, it's a new place that what used to be a fast food taco joint is now called Overeasy, where doing a quality breakfast is really their thing. Chicken fried steak with an Overeasy egg. So delicious. Our favorite Dressed casually in shorts and a t-shirt, Ramos quietly sat alone among the yellow walls and chairs of the cafe. He faced outward, with his back against the wall, letting him see who else was in the restaurant. Jamie Bonnet, the owner of the Overeasy, said. It was around 12.30, and not many people were in the cafe. A local media report said Ramos ate chicken and waffles. Ramos's family member denied that. Ramos had spent decades building Phantom from a word-of-mouth, cool-to-have gadget, through to a moderate-sized business, and eventually a network preferred by organised crime. Now he was on the run, and although it wasn't clear what would actually happen if he managed to cross the border, he could perhaps still get there. For the moment, it was quiet. Two figures who looked like businessmen entered the cafe and stopped at the bar with menus. They were nervous-looking, hyper, the cafe owner added. The men said they weren't ready to order. Shortly after, one of the men went outside for a phone call. Then five or six men entered the cafe and walked over to Ramos. 
He didn't resist. Instead, he stood up, turned around, and the men cuffed Ramos's hands behind his back. It was over. Vincent Ramos, founder of Phantom Security, was arrested while in Seattle, Washington. A heavily redacted complaint... In a May 2019 sentencing hearing in a San Diego courtroom, Ramos, dressed in a khaki jumpsuit, addressed the judge when asked if he wanted to make any comments. Yeah, good morning, Your Honourable Hayes. For the past several months, I've been thinking about what I would say when given this chance, he started. What I can say is the truth and from my heart. I'm sorry and accept responsibility for my actions that have led me to where I am today. I apologise to the court, the government, and anybody that may have been negatively impacted by my conduct. I apologise to my family and thank them for their support. To my wife, I thank you for everything that you do. I love and appreciate you. Your Honour, I deeply regret and I am remorseful for my actions and negligence that allowed my company to grow the way that it did. I made mistakes and decisions that I cannot take back. I should have acted more responsibly. As I stand here in your courtroom today with my fate and future in your hands, I ask and hope for your leniency when making your decision when imposing your sentence. I am truly sorry, Your Honour. Thank you. I would be lying if I said that I wasn't aware of what was going on, Ramos said in an earlier letter to the judge. The judge, for his part, recognised that Ramos's history and characteristics were mixed. He was a gentleman, well-spoken, and obviously a talented businessman, the judge said. But, at some point, I have no doubt that he understood what he was doing was criminal, the judge said of Ramos. The judge sentenced Ramos to nine years in prison. Serious organised criminals continue to use encrypted phones to communicate, moving from one provider to another as law enforcement agencies chip away at them bit by bit. Some drug traffickers used the service of a firm called Enetcom before Dutch authorities shuttered it. Other criminals have even gone so far as to create their own encrypted phone companies. Scottish-based MPC was literally created by and for organised crime. Law enforcement agencies' operations against the phone companies have escalated too. In March of this year, French police managed to infiltrate EncroChat, but they went a dramatic step further and pushed malware onto the EncroChat devices themselves, letting them read users' messages before they were sent layered in encryption. Authorities obtained tens of millions of text messages and arrested hundreds of suspected criminals. In parallel, the use of encrypted or privacy-focused messaging apps has skyrocketed by criminals but mostly among the wider public. Wicker is a free encrypted messaging app that offers extra features to enterprise customers. Signal is another similar app developed by a non-profit organization and which also provides the cryptographic code that powers many other encrypted messaging apps, including WhatsApp. Ramos could have had a Wicker or Signal even before they hit the scene. Had he invested in the right team, structure, management, advisory, one source who worked with Ramos said. He added, but he just wanted to party and drive expensive cars such a waste. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, I think the only way to start this off is to discuss the massive cultural hit that we had on our site uh, in which we broke the news. Laura Wagner, killing it, killing the game. Shout out. Shout out, friend of the show. Uh, got a scoop about a New Yorker writer who uh, jerked off on camera on a Zoom call. Can you imagine a Zoom call going so badly you have to apologize to your family, and then you also probably have to tell your son that, like, I don't know, you can't buy him a fucking bike for Christmas. It's well, well, I guess uh, I, I don't want to make fun of him, but it's pretty funny. Like, I gotta tell, this is pretty yeah, funny. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just it's funny. Just, like, uh, I, it's, I, I kind of feel bad for him a little bit, but it's also like you really couldn't not jerk off during a Zoom call, my friend. Like, wait yeah this is like uh this story just hits all the emotions for me because it's like it's funny it's sad it's uh angering it's frustrating but ultimately as journalists we laugh about it because you know we're what 10 15 days from the elections and at least this is a story that we can laugh about you know what i mean oh no it's it's hilarious it's, it's, it's hilarious. hilarious it's a great scoop and um uh, Laura had two sources and uh, the context to this call, which somehow it's even more intriguing than the story itself, is that the New Yorker was doing some sort of election exercise or something in which... Yeah, like an election, like like they were like red teaming each other Yeah, or which I don't know. I mean, maybe they do every year. Uh, maybe other newsrooms do. I never heard of anything like that. And uh, and in the midst of, in the midst of this, he... So we should be clear as well. So Jeffrey yeah, Tubin, legal analyst. <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey Tubin, legal analyst for CNN. By the way, we got more on that, which is hilarious. Um, legal analyst for CNN and a New Yorker writer. Didn't he have something to do with the OJ trial as well? That I don't know. Is is I mean, what what you know? I think for people that don't know who Jeffrey Tubin is, it's fair to say that he's a big deal at the New Yorker. He's a sort of like a old timer uh, that gets a lot of uh, magazine uh, features yeah, and a lot yeah. of. He, he's he's also kind of a, a boomer who says a lot, who talks a lot of shit. If we're being if we're being real, he talks a lot. Yeah, of shit. I mean the way that I explained it to to my partner who doesn't follow news um, media news because you know at the end of the day this is a media story, but it's also a Me Too story. It's also a labor story. It's also much more than that. But like I was like, yeah, this guy was basically a guy that I would not be surprised if in three years becomes the dean of Columbia Journalism School. Like he's a guy in the journalism world who is a big deal. And for him to do this Very big is deal. incredibly stupid. And for him to respond the way he responded is not ideal. I don't know. I don't it's, know. I got. I got. A, I got a hand to him. He kind of just was like, "I got fucking caught jerking I off, mean, man. Yes. I, it's really yeah, bad. It's really bad." And you're like, "Well, I guess that's really all you can say." No, yeah, maybe I'm being unfair. What I I just think it's. 
I gotta be honest with you. I I'm not that offended by like his like his response was just like I fucked yeah, up. Right. Like, it's actually, like, that's yeah. What else yeah, are you gonna that's say? That's an improvement actually on many many like, men's uh, responses to things like this. Um, and also, like to be fair, I don't think anybody reporting this who, who who's been a part of it. I mean, I heard about this on Friday, and I was like, if this is going oh down, I think this is gonna be <laughs> yeah. I I heard about it, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, this story would be so good. Yeah. But like, I don't think it doesn't sound like this like Tubin was actually jerking off like on purpose. It sounds like I got like way too bored or something way too bored and like brought his fucking camera down unholsters the peen <sighs> Jesus, dude. and starts beating it up. Like it's fucking owes it's him money. Like, I mean, as you were saying, it's like, just wow, dude, just wait. Like, just, wait. just take, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those stories that like, if we didn't know for sure that it was real, which we do, which we just think that this is an onion article because it's like you know we're all on zoom all the time we're all worried about uh, our employers uh looking at us but like this is not a story about that this is a story about uh, i don't know it's just something that we laugh about um okay so i also but i gotta i gotta say like it's just he he also it's 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 like you said this guy's like you know he's the dude that's like in line for like columbia journalism school dean bullshit like he's like new york literati media mogul yeah he has two like guy he has two full-time jobs that are probably like i don't know seven figures you know jason leopold over at buzzfeed buzzfeed news i gotta shout yeah, out yeah of course our old friend jason love yeah. jason great guy very very shout out uh, to collegial. jason shout out to jason Foyer leopold ter- terrorist. Very boy terrorist but also a very collegial guy he doesn't go after people's stories he just does his own stories so of course he's involved with the buzzfeed the BuzzFeed uh, dossier, the Steele dossier stuff mm-hmm. and reporting around it. Huge and some story. of the controversies yeah. that happen around that, which they've all been vindicated for. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey Tubin gets on CNN oh with Brian Stelter and starts being like, these guys are disgraced to journalism. BuzzFeed <laughs> is a oh disgrace to journalism. Dude, so Jason Leopold yesterday is- basically, basically posted that clip and he's like, like essentially just like... <laughs> All right. Before before we start like yeah, a, a dunk like, fest, anyway, uh, I think it's important like, to say like uh, you know uh, we are journalists and like we are very um, we're very naturals at the navel gazing. So a lot of this is navel gazing, but a lot of this is is actually serious. You know, like it's not okay to do what Jeffrey Tubin did on any fucking work call. And what really no, pisses it's me not off, okay. and what what I think pisses me off a lot is seeing people on Twitter that, as far as I can tell are just journalists who are not his friend are not don't, oh, yeah. don't have him? any idea don't like, have any idea like, what actually you, happened like, in the where'd story. you come from what are you Posting doing hot why takes, are you here and it's like dude <laughs> yeah. uh, laura did the work she did the you know she reported the story she got the details she publishes the, she published the story unless you have something to bring this forward your hot takes right now are also not also okay. also give me a fucking break like you're telling me it's not a big deal that a like Motherfucker, if I got caught or anybody got caught jerking off on fucking cameras, a, a staff journalist. It's it's just lazy. That's a story. It's just lazy. Like, that's a story. That's you, a story. Like, it, how could you say it's not a story? That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Also, it's a story if it was like a fucking Microsoft executive doing that. That's hilarious. Yes, it's, it's, this is a story. It's hilarious. It's, it's fucked up. This is news. This is what journalists do. But it's news. Do. It's unbridled news. Like, give me a break. Like that one, that ding dong who said like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He got like uh, caught. It was a, well, I could see it. It was an accident. It's like, dude, if it was an accident or it wasn't, it's a story. This is, this is wild. You can't, 
I'm not saying he should lose his job over this. Like, I'm going to leave it to the New Yorker to figure mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, correct. Me too. Because, you know, by all by all accounts, it doesn't seem like this guy was, like, intentionally trying to yeah. get people to watch him jerk off. Like, I don't think it was, like, a, a Louis C.K. situation. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, it's still a massive fuck up and you need to answer for it. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. I think if we have to summarize this for our audience who may not, uh, you know, have followed this, because honestly, yesterday, especially in cyber, oh, no, there were so many news and we, we were going to get to that. Like, I think that tens of thousands of people were fucking reading. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Wild. A lot of people read it. But I think that, I think to summarize it in a few words, uh, if, I, if I can put my Jason hat on, you know, this was an amazing scoop. There is no question this is news. Laura did no great work. The journalist that- Incredible work. And unfortunately, I, I don't like doing this, but like I see a lot of people not linking to our story, not linking to Laura's story, not giving credit to Laura's story, not giving credit to Laura. And it's like, this has happened before. I know that's- Nobody likes. I know New York, New York Times, New York this. Times, New York Times, New York Times did actually end up including. Yeah, the link. and you know, credit to them for correcting their mistake, but it's like. But it also it also like, took like on. Jason like come literally on. swearing at them. Yeah, Jason literally literally went on. He went on Twitter and said, "Fuck you, New York Times." Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, like, why, Jason coming in, it's just coming the, in." It's just said that we always have to. It's just said that we always have to defend our stories that are reported, fact checked, edited, like. I know. It's just, dude. Don't, don't get me started. I've had to do this as like well. Like we're it's two, like, you know. Again, we're two weeks from the election. Let's do our jobs. Let's yeah. give credit to Laura and props because this is a great story. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the follow ups because I'm sure that she's already working on a bunch. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm too. Laura is a killer. I like. She called me and was like, "I got something on you. I'd puke." <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, next one. Well, this is switching gears. We've both reported on this very extensively, but yesterday the U S government, the DOJ indicted some Russian hackers for one particular hack in, uh, that, that caught my mind or caught my attention was the infamous 2015 Ukrainian power grid hack. Mm-hmm. So, and it, we've now determined it was GRU members. Yeah, I mean, this was a huge story on another, on every cyber angle you can think of. Um, <laughs> you know, first of all, this was a big day for our friendly competitor, Andy Greenberg, who has a book out about uh, Sandworm, which is the hacking team that was indicted yesterday, basically. Uh, this was a big day, as you said, for US intelligence, because, uh, you know, there's still people around that don't believe that Russian hackers uh, that work for the government... Uh, do the things that they've been doing for years and years. And that, as you said, we've been reporting about, uh, you know, Andy has been reporting about, countless cybersecurity companies have been reporting about, like, this is not a matter Mm -hmm. of opinion anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And so... I do remember, it really bothered me, I remember at the time when it was like, I had my own sources in in Ukraine and also in the US who were like, no, it was definitely Russia. And people were like, well, how do you know it was Russia? (laughs) Are you sure it was Russia? Is this the same DNC hackers? Is that what it is? Yeah. And you're just like, okay. What about you know this? What, what Le- about that? Yeah. Le- what about you know what? Obama? Leave the sh- leave the- yeah, leave the reporting to me. Like, it's- you go ahead and have your fucking hot takes on Twitter, my friend. Yeah. Like- so, so just to set the, the scene a little bit more. Um, yes. The DOJ came out with a, a series of indictments yesterday against uh, six Russian nationals. Um I will not pretend to have memorized their names, and I don't know how to pronounce them anyway. But 
the too long didn't read is that they all worked in some capacity uh, for the GRU, which is the military intelligence unit uh, that works for mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin. And this is one of the bears. You know, you may have heard about Fancy Bear, Cozy Bear. Yeah. The point is that these are guys that some of them, some of these six people, literally, like, they have a picture of themselves in military, uh, you know, uniforms on an FBI Most Wanted poster. You don't end up on those unless you kind of fucked up because part of your job is not to get caught um, in theory. But, you know, like uh, the other story here that's interesting is that we'll never probably will never see them in a U.S. court. But I think this is this indictment is more a message, especially when it was dropped. You know, this was dropped two weeks before the election and it was basically a message from the U.S. government saying, we know who you are. We know your name. We have your pictures. And we don't even need to keep this intelligence anymore. We're just going to put it in a press release. So it ends up in a bunch of tweets. And that's what happened. And, you know, they deserve a fair trial if they ever set foot in the US. But uh, as you said, the really big message here is that all the skeptics about the 2016 hack and leak just don't really have anything uh, going for them. Yeah, I like I'm 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 through with the conversations that like the Glenn Green, Greenwalds of the world they're like, oh, it's not even real. Yeah, they, like, they, give me a break. They don't man. they don't really deserve even, attention anymore, honestly. Yeah, I just like I'm really like not I just don't do not categorically fuck with that at all. Yeah. I think it's really stupid. It's a distraction. It's like, it is. And it's just like anybody who's been on this beat and, and is in national security has like three fucking sources who've talked about this with them and been like, Yeah, it definitely was them. Yeah, it's not a question of whether it was them or not. You know, anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to get worked up. Lorenzo, I'm going to get worked up. Okay. I mean, it's, it's like uh, the same people that say Jeffrey Tubin's story, him jerking off on camera is not a story. That's a story, my friend. It's a story. Anyway, everything is a story. It's a story. How is it not? I'm That's sorry. a story. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, and then we're going to end with this 4chan thing that you just did. How about that? Well, uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, weird things happening on the internet. Um, yeah, we caught this. Uh, so Emmanuel came to me earlier yesterday and said, "Hey, have you seen this?" And uh, you know, it seemed like the usual 4chan uh, douchebaggery or whatever. And yeah, it turned out to be. Um, so over the weekend, a bunch of uh, 4chan anonymous users. So you know, hard to tell who they were, but their politics were pretty clear. Um, you know, gathered in a nice thread of theirs and uh, claimed to have found some crucial, super important vulnerabilities in the Oregon and Washington state uh, voter registration systems. And this is really crucial. Like the very important information is that this was a voter registration system. It was not a voting system. This is a system that is used by, you know, people in those two states to register to vote request, uh, actually they don't need to request a mail-in ballot because these are two states uh, that have universal mail-in ballots. So it's essentially just a database for election officials to keep an eye on uh, voting ballots. Uh, And it was actually designed with uh, a lot of threats in mind. So the 4chan users were like, oh my God, I can just uh, log into this thing and uh, change people's votes. They called it, quote, cancel people votes. 
and they're like, oh my God. And, you know, you can imagine a lot of people were like, oh, please don't fuck with the election system. It's a crime. But also tell Trump so that we can uh, denounce, you know, election crimes and uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, none of this actually works the way you think it works. So we spoke to election officials in both states. Uh, we spoke to security experts that are independent and have studied election systems and election registration systems. And they're like, yeah, the only real risk here is a disinformation campaign. They basically said these efforts are only going to create uh, mistrust. Uh, they're also going to slow down election officials because despite what 4chan uh dumbasses, to be honest, uh, thought, um, that's, those websites actually do not change any votes. They only um, sometimes trigger real people to go back into the system and check what's going on. And so, you know, the, the real dangerous thing is that they may have uh, disenfranchised some people. But from what I understand by talking to uh, the sources that we caught in the story, uh, this is a, an event that they are very well prepared and they uh, face pretty much every week. So, yeah, good job, 4chan. Uh, you solved another mystery. Uh, there was no mystery. Uh, please maybe go back to school now. Oof. Spicy Lorenzo coming through. Just like a very spicy. Inciting the 4chan brigades. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you know, like... Always, always, never for the faint of heart, I must say. I feel like we came full circle, you know, like uh, Jeffrey Tubin perhaps spent a little bit too much time on Zoom and these guys spend way too much time on uh, right-wing bullshit websites. And both things are not always good, but it depends yep. on the context. Ooh, yep. Oh, well, man. actually, right-wing websites don't, do not depend on context. Do not spend time on those websites. It's just... A waste of time. Unless it's yeah. us and we debunk their shit, you know. That's, we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, just, anyway. It's been a hell of a, hell of a week on the old, on the old blogosphere. Yeah, but you know, I'm looking forward to things. Um, it will be good. I think uh, we have a zine coming out. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, know, if our readers know. Ooh, plug in the zine. Okay, plug it. We're doing a, a zine on hacking culture very soon. And by very soon, I mean it's uh, hitting in real life mailboxes in a couple of weeks or so. So please subscribe if you're interested. The first one was awesome. It was about the USPS, uh, the whole motherboard team, and a lot of people advice helped out. And it was just uh, really fun for us to, to make. So we hope that it will be fun for you to read. Uh, so go to themail.substack.com uh, or check out, you know, vice.com, motherboard.vice.com and uh, please subscribe. Well, Loza, as always, great to have you. Great to have you. Ciao, 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 ciao. Ciao, 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 ciao. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.